Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Leave Your Shoes By The Door, and today I'm joined with Danielle Stiles. Danielle, thanks for being on here. Hey Andrew, thanks for having me in. I'm so excited to chat with you this afternoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, I've seen you present at a couple divisions. I've seen you speak on a, on a panel at Morgan Division mm -hmm. recently. I love hearing what you have to say. What you have to say is always fresh and innovative, and it's clear you, you know what you're talking about, which is refreshing. So, um, Danielle, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm referring mainly about when you talk about social media in our industry and the importance and the, and the do's and don'ts and all those great things that are just so important in this day and age. So I just want to ask you a little bit about your history with social media. Yeah. Now, I'm not just talking about the industry. I'm talking about Danielle Styles. When was your introduction to social media? It doesn't have to be, it can just be when you were, you know, yeah. in middle school and just with the first time you experienced it. And, and did you like it? Did you, did you embrace it? Has this always been a a love affair between you and social media. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just speaking with somebody recently. We're coming up on my 20th year on Facebook, mm -hmm. sure. which is almost unbelievable. But it, I joined in 2005, mm -hmm. and back in those days was when MySpace was around. So I actually was a huge MySpace person way back when. I don't even want to... Try to remember the year when we got the internet. I lived on a farm out in Morgan County, and we didn't have any internet access. And we got our AOL CD that came in the mail, of and course. so we put our AOL CD in. And uh, I fired up MySpace and learned how to do coding, so I could change the background color mm -hmm. and manipulate my top eight because that was the rave back then. Uh -huh. um, and I was just fascinated by this ability to communicate and interact with people all around the world. Um, I've always been into photography, and so back then was when digital photography started to become a thing. Um, in fact, I was still in high school, and we were doing darkroom development with with prints. So I would literally take my prints, scan them on my computer to put them on my MySpace page. And, um, you know, Facebook came out to kind of be that competitive rival to the music era that was MySpace. Mm -hmm. um, and it really just, in, in my opinion, revolutionized our communities, you know, our society, how we interact and how, you know, the term of all Facebook you became an uh, that's that's a thing we do it's a verb that's, yeah that's a verb it's not yeah. just a website anymore that you visit and you upload your pictures to yeah um so i've always been fascinated with social media platforms i used it uh to grow my photography business in years well, past and, and I, i'm sorry i'm going to interrupt you danielle but you got a, a girl growing up on a farm in morgan county and she's really into photography you're very limited yeah you're very limited to just uh -huh. like-minded people and having a community and then MySpace, boom, I mean, it's it's literally the entire earth is yeah. in your new community. The moment for me, honestly, I'll never forget it. I, we had tornadoes that came across the farm. And, uh, you know, in typical Morgan County fashion, we were out in the field watching them. Sure. And um, I had my camera out, and I was taking pictures of these tornadoes. And I, I only wish that I could find these online somewhere these days because they, they really were so incredible. I mean, the, the tornado was dangerously close and we were still standing out in the middle of the field just in awe of it. And, you know, my dad was uh, the kind of guy that we'd jump in the pickup truck and we would chase the tornadoes. We <laughs> go didn't, towards the tornado. We didn't go to the basement. <laughs> um, so my, I got home and I uploaded the pictures and I sent them to like Channel 13 and they ended up on the news. And I was just awestruck at the opportunity to have my picture on the news of these tornadoes. Um, and so that was kind of it for me. After that, I was like, the internet's where it's at. We've got to figure out how, like, it's, I'm going to be on the map because of the internet. Yeah. Um, and so I've just always been an early adopter. You know, I, I worked in the technology space for a decade before I got into real estate. And 
Um, I was just very inspired by the opportunity of connectivity mm -hmm. and how people, more specifically, I just love to research and analyze why and how we consume what we consume, mm -hmm. the psychology behind marketing. Yeah. And I try to implement those strategies and you know some of the early pioneers of marketing into that digital age because I love the phrase, go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the internet, specifically social media, is just such an exceptional opportunity for you to go back to the basics and find your people, yeah. not just market to the world, put up a billboard and hope the world sees it, but to truly be able to get super hyper-specific and find your people. So I love that. And, and you said that before we hit record, uh, the quote, find your people. And I think that's such a unique approach because you think uh, becoming a realtor in central Indiana, you need to just put out the biggest net possible and just try to try to get in front of a hundred people and hoping that 10 will come to you. But you're mm -hmm. saying you need to go to them. You need to stop casting these giant nets. You need to stop going and handing out a hundred uh, business cards that, that it's evolving and you need to find them rather than your people finding you. You need to find your people. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I really love the integration of all belief systems. So like, for instance, if you're going to get hyper specific and cascade in the neighborhood, right? Like that's a very tried and true traditional thing to sure. do in real estate. And I really think that finding a way to integrate both is the best way to do it. So let me give you a specific example. Um, I do a lot of hyper uh, marketing for my neighborhood. I, I live in a lake community, so it's a very specific demographic of people who are looking to move there or who already live there. Lots of people who've been there for 20, 30 years raised their family there. And so it is my goal to at one point be able to represent, you know, 100% of the real estate that moves out of my neighborhood. I sure. don't want to see anybody else's signs swing while I'm driving into my driveway. Yeah. Um, and so kind of some of the strategies that I've been implementing in order to get to that goal is, you know, I don't just put door hangers on to notify people that your neighbor's house is going up for sale. I will include a QR code on that door hanger that takes you to a landing page that also gives you access to every single house that's sold in the neighborhood for the last 365 days. Because who doesn't want to see that? Right. Everybody yeah. thinks that information is super helpful information. And so when you land on that landing page, what people don't realize that I'm doing is I have ad trackers. And so behind that web page, I'm now able to analyze and retarget every person who hits that specific landing page for any future retargeting or advertising purposes that I want to do. So maybe I want to run a listing campaign and say a special promotion. If you contact me today, I'm going to give you some sort of exclusive offer or service. Then I can go to every person who's hit those previous landing pages for previous listings who've already told me I'm interested in what the market's doing. Well, and they didn't just tell you that. Their actions told their you actions. that. Their actions. You know, it's one thing they say, I'm really interested in Daniel, but to mm -hmm. actually see that they're pursuing this I to that level. I need the data. Yeah. I need the data. Yeah. I mean, everything that you're doing online is about the ability to recall the data, not mm -hmm. just to get the data, right? I don't want you to just like my post. I need to make sure that the next post I see is being seen by you and the one after that and the one after that. And so one of the strategies that I teach uh, real estate agents and business owners uh, through social media coaching is that it's not what you are super excited to tell everybody about. I'll just use, for instance, the example of I have a listing. It's not the listing that's the most important post, the announcement of the property. It's everything that you're doing before the announcement of the property. Because if you don't have the right people showing up to your party, 
then you could announce this really awesome video or this really cool house and you get the slow clap from your grandma mm -hmm. and your right. mom <laughs> yeah. because only two people saw your post. And as realtors or business owners, trying to get the momentum of being present online and finding your people online, it feels almost like you're dragging dead bodies. Sure. It's just like, oh my gosh, so painful. When you talk to people about creating content for social media, you just see the agony in their eyes. And some people get on the roller coaster where they're doing a really great job creating content and being present and finding their people and the algorithms loving on them. And then they get to the top and they're like, holy crap, I'm busy. Look at all these people I've got to call back. So they forget to post for a couple weeks mm -hmm. and down the hill they go. Yeah. And then they're at the bottom of the hill and all the deals close and they're like, oh, wait a minute. I need to post again. It's been a minute. And so back up the hill they go. And you've lost all your momentum, right? You've lost it. And, and the algorithm is such a here today, gone tomorrow type of environment that you have to know how to leverage it. And it's not what you're posting as much as it is what are your people posting. Mm -hmm. Because we get really into the weeds with ourselves of feeling guilty. I haven't put a post up in a while. I need to talk about something. I need to, And so we just do anything because something's better than nothing. Whoever told us about that, about social media, couldn't have been more dead wrong. Because what is the best thing to do if you have even just two minutes is to open up your phone and go to a couple of people who you are trying to prospect and use social media like a CRM. Why are we not leveraging it like a networking opportunity? Sure. You know, I, we were talking about this before we started recording. If you walked into a conference room, you had 50 business cards and you wanted to hand out all 50 of these business cards, there are only so many people in the room you can reach. Right. And maybe you only actually reached five of your real people. And 45 people are going to leave that event and throw your business card in the trash. Yeah. Imagine if you could instead join a Facebook group for your hyper-local community that has thousands, heck, even just a couple hundred people. And you can identify your people out of that couple hundred. You're going to reach more than five. Yeah. All day long. So it, it kind of sounds like... Um social media and all the tools and all the analyzation you can do of it, it, it is the essence of working smarter and not harder when it comes to marketing. It's integrating both components, yeah. right? You need to know that, you know, Betty Ann, who lives down the street, probably isn't going to know how to use your QR code. Sure. So you putting a door hanger on her door with your contact information and some relevant, pertinent details, that's helpful for Betty Ann. Yeah. But Danielle wants to use your QR code and check out your cool videos online. Totally. And so know your demographic, know your audience, know who it is you're trying to serve. You know, if you're going into a retirement community, have a different approach mm -hmm. than if you're going into a college town trying to talk to millennials and people who are younger. Yeah. It's And so I think as real estate agents or in the industry of real estate, what we have delivered the message poorly of is that everyone is your potential customer. And I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm asking you if you want it to be true. Because I'll speak about my personal experience and I would much rather work with 10 of my most ideal customers than work with 50 of people I can't stand. Right. And chasing, you know, $100,000 houses all around the city and beyond because they don't even know what town they want to live in. That's a very different demographic than half a million dollar sellers in a very specific community. Mm -hmm. 
And you got to know your demographic and, and be okay with the fact that other people won't hire you because they're not your people. Sure. And I think a lot of times we get our feelings hurt when our friend or our neighbor or someone we know or think we know chooses to go with someone else. We think that we lost that business, but that business was never ours to begin with. So we have to spend more time focusing on the people who are our business to earn and earn the right. Do you think that when you say our people, find your people, do you think that it has um, evolved at all from what it meant to, to find my people? Like maybe my people is somebody who grew up in Morgan County 40 yeah. years ago, but now my people is different because of technology and social media. Now my people has, has changed, therefore changed mm -hmm. realtors finding the right clients. I absolutely agree with that. I think that find your people previously used to be your geographic right. footprint. Right, I'm yeah. the realtor for Insert City here. I went to high school with Danielle, so she'd be good, good realtor for me. You got it. Um, and I don't disagree that locality matters in real estate. You can unquestionably experience a totally different transaction with a listing agent who's never sold a house in that neighborhood versus a listing agent who sells every other house right. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so there's absolutely something to be said for locality. And I think that agents just need to get really super specific in who it is they want to serve. What, what is the flag they're going to put in the ground and say, I do this, mm -hmm. right? What is your differentiating factor? For some people, that is a neighborhood or a town or a county. For other people, it might be a type of buyer, first-time home buyers, estate planners, people who are working with people at a certain period in their life. Maybe there's a realtor who specifically helps people going through divorces. Sure. You know, you've got to get really super specific with who it is you would like to create as the meat and potatoes of your business. You know, um, we're Hoosiers here, so we can talk about cooking a pot roast. So you're going to want to throw in some carrots and maybe some mushrooms, or I'm not sure what you're into in your pot roast. You're going to have the outliers. Mm -hmm. But the main course has to be your drumbeat. And your drumbeat becomes your content through your social media platforms. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of realtors who don't know what their drumbeat is yet. And that's okay, but you've got to figure it out. Because there's no way for you to serve everyone and I think the times of saying, you know, your preferred real estate agent for Morgan County, I'm not saying that that marketing doesn't work. What I am saying is it doesn't work as well as saying, I'm your preferred real estate agent for Painted Hills. Mm -hmm. Because now if I'm looking to move to Painted Hills or I hear of anybody looking to move to Painted Hills, I'm like, I've heard that before. You should talk to this girl. She talks about it a lot. Not saying Morgan County doesn't equally work, but that's just such a broad area. It would be impossible for you to serve everyone. You couldn't ever serve every person looking to move in or out of a county. Yeah, I could possibly serve over 60% of the residents who are moving in and out of my neighborhood. I've been able to accomplish that in just a couple of years. And I did it exclusively through social media marketing. And, and mind you, with no ad dollars behind it. You know, the only dollars I'll spend in marketing is to open up a tab at the local bar to say, between the hours of five and seven, beer's on me. Sure. That's a very specific demographic that I'm going after. And that is a completely different audience that I couldn't reach by just putting a door hanger on. Yeah. Right? So know your audience, figure out who it is that you're trying to attract, and then don't beat yourself up about trying to attract all of the other people. Because you can get really great at attracting 
the one. Can you have multiple drum beats? Absolutely. So what are some of yours? You had the, the Painted Hills? Is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, so I actually own the domains of the Move Twos for just about everything in southern Indiana. Um, so, you know, move to Painted Hills as an example, move to Martinsville, move to Sweetwater, move to Brown County, move to insert city here. Uh, I gobbled up those domains really early because I have a vision for my business that's far bigger than my own production. It is my goal to one day just teach social media to realtors who really love to go unlock doors. You know, the technology side of running the true marketing campaign that you need to be running for listings is a lot. And I'd love to just do that full time. You want to have that anticipation that you referenced earlier so that when the, the house goes on the market, boom, you got a ton of momentum and a ton of interested buyers. You have to. If you want to create this sort of FOMO'd experience, you know, I'll just, I'll just speak specifically about what I've been able to do for my personal community. So when I first moved into Painted Hills, um, I literally had lived in Morgan County my entire life. I had no idea it even existed. It wasn't even on the map for me. Um, and my realtor at the time, I didn't have my license when I bought this home, um, was like, you should really go check out this house. It checked none of the boxes. We wanted a basement. We wanted a non-HOA. We wanted a detached garage. It had none of those. And so we said no for about a month. And of course, this was, what year would have this been? Like 2015. So houses sat for a while back mm -hmm. then. Sure. And it kept going through price reduction and price reduction. Finally, it convinced us, you just need to go look at it. And I was eight months pregnant at the time. And when I say we were out of room, we literally couldn't put a crib up in our current house. We had to move. So we had been looking everywhere. And um, we had some unique criteria, high-speed internet being one of them. With all the photography that I did, I needed high-speed internet. And we were looking around Brown County, which is basically an oxymoron. I was about to say, to find yeah, the good two. luck. Yeah. So we ended up um, towards Martinsville, and um, we walked through the house, and it was the first house that we were like, okay, let's go, let's walk through it again. Let's see where we'd put our furniture. And as we drove around the community, I thought, what a hidden gem. This place, this neighborhood was just breathtaking. The drive-in, you come down this, they call it um, Big Dam Hill, because it's across this big dam to the lake. And you come down this gigantic hill where you can't see the hood of your car until you get over top the hill. And then it opens up and it's just this beautiful 146-acre lake that you're overlooking. And so we bought the house and we thought, okay, it's a fixer-upper. It's our three- to five-year house. We'll, we'll make some money on this place when we're done with it. And then we got to know the community and we thought, oh, my God, we're never leaving. We love the people. And I feel like people make a community, right? If you go to any community, the amenities are one thing, the schools are another, but the people are usually why you stay. Yeah. And so um, we're in the process now of building. We just bought 14 and a half acres, literally right across the street from the neighborhood. I needed out of the HOA so I could get animals again. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't want to leave the people. And so that is the story I have sold. For the last you know, four years in this community, I have, my drumbeat has been that story, that experience of pulling in and this beautiful lake and these awesome sunsets and Cedar Creek is a music venue that's a golf cart ride away and you can boat all day on the water and then pack up your cooler and head over to the outdoor concert and you're living in paradise. Right. 
And so the marketing that I do isn't just the house, right? When I show a, a property that's for sale, I'm showing clips of Cedar Creek rocking out at a concert. Sure. And I'm showing clips of somebody skiing behind a boat on the lake. And so the listing video or the experience that a buyer is getting isn't just a here's a house and how many bedrooms it has and how old the roof is. It's a you're buying a lifestyle. Right. And I think if realtors did a better job of marketing the lifestyle, we would have far better buyers for those properties. We would have people who are willing to pay a premium for the lifestyle. You know, I can't take all the credit for the market value increase in that neighborhood. Obviously, the market's been rising on its own, but I'd like to think that the exclusivity and that sort of FOMO of you can't get a house in this neighborhood has certainly helped. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So, real estate industry has been around far before the internet came along, far before social media came around. It's, it was here before, it'll be here long after. But I want to ask you, has social media had a positive or negative impact on our industry? I love this question. I think it depends on who you ask. Right. I think that some people are very intimidated by it and very overwhelmed by it and feel very defeated by it. And they stay in a very stuck place of, I've missed the boat rather than getting started and realizing that maybe their demographic of buyers and sellers also missed the boat. You know, it, I think a really great conversation to just have over dinner, if you're going to get serious about marketing online, is ask your closest family and friends or your favorite customers, how do they use the internet? Mm -hmm. What you know, Find out your people, how your people are. Find your people, mm -hmm. ask them. Like, this is the craziest thing about working with business owners. Uh, I'll, I'll often get asked to come in for a coaching session with them, and, you know, I'll ask them about their audience, and they can't answer basic questions. They don't know if their audience is dominantly male or female. They don't know where they live dominantly. They don't know where else they shop. They don't know what their preferred platform for looking for houses is. I can promise you I'm not the realtor who's telling you Zillow is stupid. I'm leveraging the opportunity of right, Zillow. Right, right. You know, leverage each of these technology resources. Don't be fearful of them, but figure out how they work and then tap into that opportunity. Here's an incredible fact. If nobody listens to anything else I say, I pray they take this away. If you are on Facebook and you are still posting as a business account to Facebook and thinking that that post is going to reach the right audience, you need to reevaluate the way that Facebook works. Because the only people who can pay to reach audiences on Facebook is businesses. Why in the world would a company that makes billions of dollars off advertising offer the only types of accounts that can pay for advertising better reach than the consumers in which those businesses are trying to pay to get in front of in the first place? Right. That is asinine. But you see realtors all the time have advice given to them that everything has to be through their business page, that you have to be a professional and you can't mix personal and business. And you hear realtors say things like, well, I wouldn't dare post that on my personal account because it's just my personal account to keep in touch with my family and friends. Well, who do you want to work with? Mm -hmm. Do you want to work with strangers? you want to work with your family and friends? Yeah. You know, you are a real person. You couldn't have a business page on Facebook unless you have a personal account. Well, and, and you say, you know, your people. And if I'm your people and, I, and I, I'm friends with you on Facebook, because I am, it's cool how one post is that awesome Martinsville post, and the next, the next one is like how you stayed up all night 
getting ready for your kid's birthday party. Yeah. And my people, you know, yeah. I'm like, I've done that too. Oh my yes. gosh, that's so stressful having to do that, having to plan a five-year-old's birthday and all that. Right. And that's just you that warmth, right? Become that a human. Yeah. Right? You're not a robotic right. business anymore. You become, and I, I say this to my clients all the time, mostly because it's like an easy dad joke to make them laugh in a listing appointment. But there's nothing more personal than moving your underwear drawer. <laughs> right, sure. And that's legitimately what we help people do. Yeah. So if you think for one minute you're not going to get into the emotional weeds mm -hmm, of right. that family, you know, we deal with all kinds of different situations. Deaths, marriages, babies, loss of jobs, new jobs. People are typically moving for a big life event reason. And we know temperatures run hot and emotions and people are different people when they're under this type of financial distress. You know, these are the literal biggest financial decisions many of these people will ever make. Right. And so you have to have an element of being human so they have an element of being comfortable enough to ask the stupid questions. Right, sure. Because it's when they don't ask and when we, don't, when we assume they know that deals start to crumble, right? And so for me, I don't want to work with people who are bothered by the fact that I have children because if they call me, they're going to hear my children. Mm -hmm. I homeschool my kids. So if you call me at any given point... They're going to be with me. Now, I'm not saying I, obviously, they're old enough now. I can step out and move into a different room and hopefully not have a baby crying in the background like I once did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that element of, of being a human sets the stage for the fact that I don't have to apologize now every time my customer calls me because they didn't know I had children. Yeah. And especially if you're this cold business page where it's just like your professional headshot is all they know of you. And it's like, ew, you got kids in the background and oh, yeah, yeah it's just like. Be human. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are probably people who don't work with me for that reason alone and good riddance. They're not your people. They're not my people. Right. You know, they're someone else's to serve. And I'm grateful that there are other agents because I can't serve everybody by myself. Yeah. And frankly, there are some clients I wouldn't dare to represent as a limited agency. I need other agents to get some deals done. Yeah. You know, and my job isn't to get my feelings hurt about it. It's to sell the house. Yeah. So I think that it, the answer to your question, is it good or is it bad? In my opinion, there's nothing better. Because there is no other place on the internet, caveat here, it's free, that you can go reach thousands of your people in a second. Yeah. In a second. Be it good or be it bad. You can reach them. And so you get to decide what that experience is for them. Yeah. Based on the content that you create, based on the words that you type, you know, so I'll just allude to it for a minute because we're in a very polarizing political and, and cultural society. And so you hear a lot of times like, well, I can't say that on social media or I can't say this on social media. And what I really just encourage everyone to do is get really specific with knowing who your audience is and then say and speak to them and be okay with the fact that people will unfollow you mm -hmm. and people will disagree with you and people may not, you know, be as passionate about something as you are. And that's okay because the people who are in alignment with you will become further in alignment with you when they do have the opportunity of me too. You know, and that can be on whatever side of the fence you pick. For me, I have hard and fast rules about things I do and things I don't do on social media. I do not talk about politics on social media. 
you want to grab a beer and have conversation about politics, I'd love to. It's one of my favorite things to discuss. (laughs) But I don't speak about it on social media because of the negativity that can precede any topic of conversation that goes down that path. It's just not a path I carve. So when I create content online, I create content that creates gravel roads that I would be proud to lead to my brand. But you you certainly wouldn't be critical of a peer who does play the the politics card no. and says I'm a conservative realtor for conservative Americans Pick and your that people. can be his his or her people. Pick your people. Yeah. There's going to be people who are going to be really glad that you're happy to show them houses where there's a Trump flag flying sure. and not be offended by the fact that you carry while you're showing right. a house. Right. You know, and on the flip side of that, I think that you're seeing um, segregation happen in our cultures like we've never experienced it before. You know, in my opinion, it's no longer what you look like, it's what do you believe. Mm-hmm. What do you want your lifestyle to look like? You know, what type of school do you want your kid raised in and what are they teaching inside those schools? You know, what, what are their mask policies? What are their vaccination policies? There are so many polarizing different beliefs that is creating people's literal... no we're not doing that. We're going to move from California or we're going to move from, you know, Carmel to in the middle of nowhere, Morgan County. Right. You know, you are having people choose lifestyles and that frankly, I'm excited about Mm -hmm. because I'm excited to see us move past a, um, glass ceiling of what it has to be because, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I grew up in a small town and um, you know, to get out of the small town was quite the feat, right? Are, are you going to go out of town for college? Are you going to move back here after college? And it was like breaking that glass ceiling to like be the one that got out. Um, but I never left. You know, I, I've lived in Morgan County my entire life, and I'd like to think that I, I'm not less successful because I choose to continue to live a rural lifestyle. I'll go visit the city. Yeah. I, I wasn't raised on concrete, and I don't appreciate concrete. I appreciate sunsets and deer. And so I'm okay driving an hour to go to a really nice dinner or to a networking event, and then I'll enjoy my peaceful 60-minute drive back to the country right. where I prefer to live. Mm-hmm. And it has absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do with you know the schools. In fact, we have arguably worse schools in some areas, hence why I chose to homeschool. But you you make those sacrifices because of the lifestyle that you're choosing to live. And I think online, as far as representation, as realtors go, we can speak into that and lean into that in ways we could have never done before. You can't articulate that in a billboard or a newspaper article. Sponsoring a local baseball team on the back of a t-shirt isn't sufficient to reach your people in the same way that you could put a 30-second video together and run it specifically through a Morgan County or local Facebook group that is very hyper congregating in those like-minded individuals already for you. Yeah. All right, everyone. We're going to take a quick break to hear from the MyBoar Updates. Hello everyone, I am Jamie Barb and welcome to the MyBoar Update. 
The staff at MyBoar are working hard to ensure the transition from Century Lock to Master Lock is simple, easy, and as convenient as possible. Listing inventory levels paired with Century Lock lockbox shortages and the additional changes Century Key has announced about their products and services make this the best time for this transition. For the next steps and the most up-to-date information, visit myboard.com forward slash lockbox. There you will find steps to take for each Century Lock lockbox generation, voucher amounts for each lockbox, images of each lockbox, recycling locations, FAQs, and more. Miss an email? See an event you might want to attend but can't remember where you saw it? We get it. We have created one central place to find this information and stay in the know with all things MyBoar. Check it out at mybor.com forward slash central. Want to know what MyBoar has in store for 2022? Sign up for MyBoar's broker owner meeting on February 15th to hear from MyBoar CEO and MyBoar Chief Innovation Officer about the technology plans for this year and the industry hot topics. This meeting will be virtual. Sign up now at mybor.com forward slash broker owner. When doing your taxes this year, don't forget the non-deductible portion of dues. IRS compliance requires that the portion of dues attributed to lobbying and political activities be considered non-deductible for income tax purposes. The non-deductible total of $95.62 is totaled from 38% of your NAR dues, 13% of your IAR dues, and 2% of your MIBOR dues. For more information, visit MIBOR.com. The Realtor Foundation Ball is a magical night where we honor the winners and nominees of the industry awards. Dance like the sun will never come up and most importantly, raise money to support the foundation's mission of ending homelessness in Indiana. The foundation thanks those who donated. This year, we helped to raise over $100,000. Every penny of that goes into supporting those experiencing homelessness in Indiana. Do you live in a community worth investing in? Do you know a project that just needs a little more to help get started? MyBoard's Economic and Community Development Council is a member-driven committee that supports organizations and initiatives that impact the strength of our communities and sustainability of the real estate industry. Last year, $120,000 was granted to 24 projects across the MyBoard service area. The MyBoar ECDC is looking for opportunities to invest in initiatives aimed at job retention and expansion, placemaking, quality of life, housing and initiatives that focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Visit MyBoar.com forward slash ECDC to learn more about the successful projects and submit an application for a grant. Each and every one of you is a professional, but are you a master professional? The MyBoar Master Professional course is the highest certification offered by MyBoar and was created to advance the level of professionalism, knowledge, and essential skills of our members. Join the ranks and wear your professionalism like a badge of honor. The next available MPro Bootcamp will be February 28th through March 3rd. Register today at MyBoar.com forward slash MPro. And that is all today on your MyBoar update. And now back to our interview with Danielle Stiles. So you're looking for drum beats and you're looking for what's my niche? What's my way what's my way into this this massive industry? Mm -hmm. What if you pick a drum beat that isn't Daniel Styles? But you read it and it looks like a really good drum beat if you want to yeah. get some business. Will 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 that last or do you believe that that lasts or do you have because everything you're telling me Daniel it's it's not you don't flinch because you know who you are and you surround yourself with your people. And mm -hmm. so you know exactly what you believe in and you have no doubts about it 24 hours a day. But if you were kind of putting on this daytime drum beat, you know, yeah. do you think that eventually that all kind of unravels or do you think that that is a successful approach? 
we all know people who are different online than sure, they are in real sure. life, yeah. right? And so I just always question, how, like, what do you say about those people when you see their post online? <laughs> Good point. Good point. To yeah. yourself. Sure. What are those words? Because for me, I'm like, what a joke. Yeah. And so I think that that's an exceptional way to become a viral meme on the internet that we can all enjoy for decades to, to come. Sure. Um, if you do it really bad, right? Yeah. Like that's worst case scenario. Um, but I think you see people do it all the time. I think you see people, and at just to be very frank, let's just take the example of a brand new agent. They don't know what their drumbeat is. Right. Very like authentically, they're just trying to figure it out. And that's a fair statement. And I think that if we show up online in an authentic way that allows people to see us be human, then the expectation of perfection dissipates. Yeah. Because nobody, and I do mean not a soul, will notice when you stumble on your words in a Facebook Live if you kept it moving. But they will absolutely notice and stop watching if it trips you up for the rest of the life. Right. If you just can't overcome it. Yeah. Right? And so if you think about how you consume, this is always the question I come back to for people, is just start to be mindful of what you are consuming and you are enjoying and what you are not enjoying. And that's going to be an exceptional indication to you on what your drumbeat should be. Because be like your people. Yeah. Be like what you already like. It will be easier for you. Yeah. It will be easier for you to get to know you than it is for you to become someone you're not. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, a cultural issue that we as a society are having to learn to navigate. You know, a lesson I'm trying to teach my children is that uh, fair doesn't mean the same. It doesn't. Yeah. It does not mean you get the same and you get the same and you get the same. It's showing up and getting your needs met. That's what fair is. Yeah. And your needs are different than someone else's needs are different than someone else's. And so you've got to get really, really good at figuring out what the needs of your customer is. Because I can promise you if one of them has the question, probably the rest of them have the question too. Sure. They're not... They may not be brave enough to raise their hand and say, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, a great example of this, I mean, we're in a volatile market where we're doing like, you know, pulling out all the stops to get a deal one. So I'm having lots of conversations about escalation clauses. I know lots of realtors have lots of varying opinions about whether escalation clauses are worth it or whether they are not. I think a lot of people don't like them because they are so confusing. It is extremely difficult to get a brand new agent to understand this box is what it's escalating to, and this is the amount that you're going to meet the offer by. And when you get an offer that has an escalation clause, you can't just accept it. You have to counter it to the escalation. It's it's this whole thing, right? So for us as agents and professional representation, we have to articulate to our clients how it works. And then hopefully they'll trust us that we believe that this is the best and strongest way that we can, you know, position their offer without forcing them to overpay, right? If you just guess, you're committed to your guess rather than leveraging an escalation clause. You're not overcommitting to anything. You're just putting yours at the top of the pile. And so that in itself is an exceptional piece of content that you can create for online social media. Just openly discussing what is an escalation clause and then asking your audience, what do you think about this? 
Don't tell them what you think. Ask them what they think. Yeah. You know, and get some feedback from yeah. people. Get some real life, real consumer feedback on wh- what social media platform do you use? Do you like Facebook? Do you like Instagram? Are you using TikTok for an hour every evening before you go to bed? You need to know where they're at. Because you could take the same 30-second video and have it all about, you know, a really great topic, all about escalation clauses. We're going to teach them, you know, how you can ensure that you're not overpaying for the next house that you put an offer in on, right? Like, that's a great intro. People would yeah. be like, I'm sticking around. Totally. What's your advice? Yeah. And you could articulate what I just explained in 30 seconds or less, arguably. Put some pretty graphics on it. You know, the text pops up on the screen. We're pointing and dancing to it. Mm-hmm. And where do you put it? That determines whether or not that piece of content flops or goes viral. Right. You know, we were talking before we started recording, uh, Instagram just started doing a bunch of updates to their entire experience, specifically as it pertains to video, because they came out earlier this year and said we're no longer a photo sharing app. And everybody went, well, what does that mean? Well, it obviously means they're moving more towards a different form of media. They're using video. Statistically, we know people consume it more. They not only consume it more, they share it more, which I think people really are blown away by, because... Ultimately, what is the point of social media if you really just tear away all of the like, all the trendy, viral, dancing, cat videos, all the stuff, right? The point is to be social. Mm -hmm. The point is to keep in touch with family and friends and to grow new audiences and new people whom fit into the eco chamber that you're creating of your drumbeat. But we didn't do that when social media got started. We just wanted everyone. We wanted 10,000 followers. We just needed followers. Follow me. Follow me. You all should follow me. (laughs) Yeah. And it became this vanity metric that we were chasing as if it had some sort of correlation tied to success. And it does not. Right. In fact, it's quite the opposite because the algorithm and the AI is so robust that if you had a room full of people, imagine them your followers. So I'll just use myself for an example. I'm Quickly approaching 5,000 followers on Facebook, which I'm not happy about because there's the threshold of Facebook followers. Once you reach 5,000, you can no longer be my friend. You can only follow me. Interesting. And so I'm going to have to weed out my friends list soon because there is a difference in experience, especially as it pertains to the algorithm and the content you see when you're friends versus followers, right? Because the assumption is is if we're mutual friends, we mutually know each other rather than you just follow the celebrity that you like. Right. So specifically when we're talking about the content that we're creating, I'm going to know what type of video and where I should post that in my eco chamber of Facebook because I've spent a lot of years getting to very intimately know them and how they like to consume. So I have no question where I put that video. I would prefer to put that video in a Facebook group, but a lot of the Facebook groups that I'm members of that already have those cultivated audiences for me, because I'm not an admin, I don't have the authority to put a video. Right. I can only put a static post. So I have to put different types of content in different places online. Trying to articulate the same thing, trying to lead gen people back to the same place, but I gotta follow their rules. Yeah. But with Instagram, the reason that they're re-envisioning the way that you experience video, because was prior to this week, you could have put that same, let's say it's a 60 second video, you could have put it in stories, you could have put it in your highlights. You could have put it in your reels. You could have put it in a feed video, just a regular feed video, or you could have uploaded it as an IGTV. Five different formats that the same piece of content would go through, and all forms of those content reach different audiences. And man, you've got to be a rocket scientist to get that math equation right. Right. 
And so these social media companies are learning that this is a poor user experience, that the, the content creators have stopped creating content because they feel like it's not worth their time, it's not reaching the right people. The people aren't getting entertained, so they're headed over to TikTok because it is more of a all-encompassing environment. Yeah. And so just think about social media platforms, the different type of platforms and all of the distractions that are on the screen when we're consuming that media. There is very little media on Facebook that when you're looking at it, you can't see anything else. Yeah. But on TikTok, that's all you see. Oh, sure. Yeah. You get the full screen. Yeah. And you have their full and undivided attention. And so you're getting different users in different places. For some people... They don't want that. They don't want that immersive experience. For other people, they don't they don't want the distractions. They, you know, they logged into their email to get some, you know, to send somebody a message and then saw a note that took them over here to Google and then before they knew it, they were on TikTok for 20 minutes. Let me ask you something then. Going back to that original question of how how social media has affected our industry. Do you think it's possible that for a while it was bad when everything was everybody was everything and everybody was just opening up the fire hose and everybody was just blasting information. Yeah. But now that it's kind of evolved and people like you have emerged, mm-hmm. you've kind of, you know, mastered the beast. Now I feel like the needle's moving back into good because, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, simple question. Social media affected our industry. You just talked about a reach in marketing that is unprecedented. So you, you have to you embrace it. You can't argue it. Yeah. And, and more specifically, it's got data behind it, folks. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? If I send it's not a, just coincidence. If I send a mass mailer out or if I put up a billboard and I'm spending $1,000 a month to have my mug plastered on 465, statistically speaking, you are more likely to have a Facebook ad seen by that driver while they're driving that vehicle <laughs> right, right. than they happen to look up for the 13th of a one second that they drove past your billboard. Yeah. And so what is the value add? Right? And so it's it's about brand awareness, right? We're always told it's it's brand awareness. Be on the grocery cart, be in the magazine, sponsor the baseball team, do all the things. I don't disagree, but do the things that can give you data and analytics back to was it worth my investment? Yeah. You know, some things we do just because our kids are playing on the baseball team. Sure, here's a couple hundred bucks. I'll put my logo on the back. Why not? That's an understandable investment. But boosting a post because Facebook told you it was performing better than 95% of your other content, it's not a smart way to spend your money. Yeah. But I also want to say, sponsoring a baseball team, you're also helping your community by helping the kids have jerseys. 100%. Yeah. But imagine if you created an experience where you served your local non-for-profits through social media marketing sure. because you had an algorithm that was already coerced to advertise to that localized community. We all know non-for-profits do a real bad job, and they're all broke. Right, And so if you could come along and join arms with them for a promotion to do a food drive or some sort of financial drive to sell tickets for an event that they've got coming up, doesn't matter. You're going to see mutual gain through both of your accounts because of that collaboration. And, and even take the non-for-profit out of it and that you're serving your community and you're such a good person because you're giving back. Why don't other realtors collaborate with each other? Ooh, Yeah. Why can't I, as an EXP broker, go and coach in a Keller Williams class about social media marketing and talk about how awesome both brokerages are? Agents are going to choose the broker that they're with for very different reasons. Every single agent will give you a different reason. But that doesn't mean collaboratively we can't all learn and grow and share our audiences and and help sell houses 
collaboratively. Yeah. But I think a lot of realtors are threatened by, well, if my followers see you, then they might like you better than they like me. That, that is a very limited belief system that we've got to get away from. Yep. The answer to your question is yes, I agree. Social media was a fire hose in its earliest phases because you had, um, you know, the big megaphones who just screamed about themselves. And so, like, this is truly my biggest pet peeve. If I could teach a social media edit class, this would be, like, number one rule. Nobody cares about you. They don't care. Very sorry to hurt your feelings. <laughs> That's okay. But they don't care. They don't care about your bad day. They don't care about your, you know, breakfast that you had. They don't care about this awful experience that you had working with this business owner. What they do care about is how can this information serve me? Sure. Right. If you're going to tell me about a ex bad experience that you had at a restaurant, it might save me from having to go to that restaurant. How so can maybe I learn off of that? They care about, we're self-absorbed creatures. We are going to social media to disassociate. We're literally sitting on the couch next to our loved ones, ignoring them to go to this. Um, I'm going to use Mark Zuckerberg's world, the, the metaverse. Have you heard about the I've metaverse? I've heard it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. If you haven't heard about the metaverse, you've got to go watch some videos. It's Mark Zuckerberg's belief of how AI and Facebook specifically, supposedly Facebook's abandoning the name Facebook. I've heard, I've heard. And they are going to be called something else to more directly align with the metaverse, this AI experience where we literally leave our reality for a virtual reality that he calls the metaverse that essentially becomes our new reality. And so like we were talking about before, like this doppelganger experience where we, we have an avatar, a literal AI avatar, oh, who is maybe a better version of ourselves. Because why? Why would we think that? Well, we think they're a better version of themselves because they're able, that avatar, we're able to polish the edges, right? They're a little bit more put together. They they are, you know, a little more perfect. They experience less pain. They they're have confident. less bas bad days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's not reality. Mm -mm. And I think that that's where the needle goes bad again. It's almost like a 360 spectrum that I feel like we're going to have to just keep wavering between to find the balance. Because I think that, just talking about the younger, I'll talk about my kids for a minute. The way that they're learning to experience the internet and learning to get to know themselves, they are not getting to know who they are. They're getting to know who they're supposed to be. Right. They're getting to know how they're supposed to act, not how they actually act. They're getting to know what they should dress like and what they should eat and drink and have and do, not what they actually want to do. And I think that's awful. Yeah, it's scary. It's terrifying to think of this next generation of people who won't even know themselves because they're so busy trying to be like everyone else. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the piece of social media that can go too far is that people are so unhappy with who they are and where they are and what reality looks like for them that they create these alternate realities. And again, we all know somebody like that, right? That's sure. very different online than they are in person. And so if you're early in the stages and you're trying to figure out what is your drumbeat? What, what should you be focusing on as your very hyper localized community? I just really encourage you to figure out what is it that you already genuinely, wholeheartedly enjoy and like. Because that's a really great place to find the beat. 
and then to start emulating the beat outwards and see if it does attract people. And how much of that drum beat, how much uh, is it important that you're an expert in real estate? Like what percentage of, of your presence yeah. is important that, oh yeah, by the way, I'm also an expert and I can get you there and I know doc, you know, I know zip forms and I know century lock and I'll get you there. Don't worry about that. But I also have kids and I love the lake and I love this and I love country living. It's a balance. Yeah. Right. It is a balance and only your audience will tell you what that balance is. Mm -hmm. It is not the same for everyone. I, I well, I, I'm going to interrupt because I just, I love that idea of everybody's so worried about making a statement. I'm going to tell the world who I am and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to make this, I'm going to do that. But you keep saying, no, 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 no. Let them tell you who you are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because what's a great example, we were just chatting before this talk as well about a private Facebook group that my community has. And, um, you know, I got a neighbor who I had sold their house for. I actually sold it as a limited agency transaction, which, you know, I know some agents know how complicated those can be, sure. especially when we're all neighbors. Um, but it was an incredibly positive experience for them. It was a very smooth transaction. Everything just, the stars aligned. It was lovely. And she put a post up just basically singing my praises. And that post in itself will do more for my business than any amazing video I could ever put together right. would do. Right? It's the social proof. It's other people who are also old ladies who don't do technology and think all the things I do are real fancy. But I took the time to print out the documents and bring them to them and let them hand sign them. Mm -hmm. Right? And didn't make a big stink over the fact that I was signing documents with them at 11 o'clock at night because that's when we sell houses. Sure. Right? It's creating an experience where you can allow your people to sing your praises for you. That promotion is way better than you you telling me how many millions in real estate you sold this year. As a consumer, I can't translate that into how that serves me. I can't translate into the fact that you sold ten million this year. That tells me almost, well, are you too busy for me? Yeah. Is my two hundred thousand dollar house just peons because you're selling million dollar properties? Maybe that's the message I received from your marketing trying to say how awesome you are. Yeah. But in turn, if we put a post up that is, my client had this problem and here's how I solved it, that's a post that could serve someone. And it does still accomplish essentially the same goal that you are the expert, Yeah. right? So it's not, you know, it's like the tried and true saying, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Sure. And it's also the type of media that you use to say it. If you write a wall of text that the max amount of characters Facebook's going to let you post and you don't put any parentheses or, or you know, spaces in between your words and it's poor punctuation, that's going to do worse for you overall as a business for your algorithm and all the above than if you did nothing. Than if you did nothing. Right. So why? Why do we as professionals feel compelled to feel guilty that we haven't put a post up in the last few days or feel like, you know, we should be doing more. Or we should be everywhere all the time or we've got to figure this out because we're so far behind. We've missed the boat. No, 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 no. If you feel like you've missed the boat, stop trying to post and start going and interacting with your people. Yeah. They're already posting. Yeah. So go spend your day. You know, we all have 10 minutes we can find in our day. You can go comment on a lot of people's posts in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I challenge you to not just say, I love your shirt. Say, I love your shirt. Where did you buy it? I need one for next week's event. Because I can promise you people really love to get notifications about other people. And you place an action, action item on me. 
Yeah, now the ball's respond. in my court. Oh, hey, Danielle. Da, 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 da. That yeah. back to forth, yeah. right? The algorithm is a powerful beast, and it is not just a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Right. So if you're commenting on their posts, the likelihood they're going to see your posts goes up. So before we take a listing to market in a neighborhood or a town or a county, go to those Facebook groups with people in that town or city or county and comment on their posts. Mm -hmm. It really is as simple as that. And that is going to tell the algorithm, hey, these people might like to have a conversation with each other. And Facebook knows everyone who's looking for a house. If you think they don't, you're crazy. Right. They know how long you paused on that post and swiped through the pictures. It does not matter if you didn't like it or share it or do anything with it. They just knew how long you looked at it. Yeah. And so then they're going to, oh, they might be interested in this post, right? We've all logged in and seen the notification that says, you know, so-and-so uh, and so-and-so -and -so liked this post or similar to or people you may know. Yeah. Right? The algorithm's putting those dots together for us. And so I think that just as real estate agents, we get really caught up in the weeds of the diversity of all of these different platforms, of TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. There's so many, right? It's overwhelming. But that's all noise. You've got to find your people. Yeah. Because if you're doing all the right things and your people aren't there, it won't work. And vice versa, if you're only doing some of the right things and your people are there, it will work. Sure. And you just got to figure out how you can amplify that. How do you collaborate old tried and true practices of sending out mailers and door hangers into a space where you could leverage that data? You know, um, really great idea to take it a step further. Hire your local photographer who supports and does a lot of families in your local community to come out and photograph a live game of the team that you sponsored then that pho photographer is going to be posting about it on their social media with these adorable little t-ballers playing baseball and they're going to reach their audience and you know sponsored by styles real estate mm -hmm. and the parents that are a part of that t-ball will love and cherish those photos forever and you can give them to them for free and what are they going to do they're going to put them out on their social media you can get so creative with how you're creating community mm -hmm. If we just stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about how can we serve this community that we really want to serve. Yeah. Um, so I want to go to some, uh, some hard information that I, I hope the audience will think is fascinating as me. I'm sure um, anyone listening to this has done some sort of video in the past, whether it's professional or personal. Daniel, what were the, the hard data on seconds? How many seconds do you have when the video, when the, when the consumer is watching your video, yeah. when, when does the clock start ticking? So three seconds into your video, they get to count as a view or as a person. So think about that. One, two, three. Boom. And, and, if, and if they click out before that third second, you don't, get, you don't get the view. Depends on the social media platform, okay. but kind okay. of like the overall marketing rule is yes. The algorithm much heavier influences longer than three second views. The magic number is still less than that of a goldfish's memory. Sure, sure. And, what's and it's that? only seven. Okay. And what, what's this, what does seven seconds tell us? So if you're in for seven seconds, you are what we call an engaged viewer. So you are watching. You are like, if you sat down for seven seconds of silence, it's almost painful. 
you will feel the urge to grab for your phone. <laughs> sure. That's, it's on that wild. Second, you're you're just like, like yeah. oh, I can't take it anymore. Yep. Need stimulation uh -huh. now. Yeah. And so the statistics tell us that people are not really consuming videos longer than three minutes, mm -hmm. period. Um, there's the outliers, YouTube being a great example. People will tune into 30-minute, hour-long you know, YouTube podcast streams. Joe Rogan's a great example. Three hours. Three keeps, hours. Yeah, he yeah. keeps his audience captivated. Um, but just speaking in the here today, gone tomorrow social media environment, you should aim to keep your videos less than 15 seconds mm -hmm. total. Um, 30 seconds for sure. 15 seconds is better. And the reason is, is the algorithm more heavily influences replays than it does completion of video. And so 30 seconds, a replay means you had them for a minute, and, and that's a long time. Seven seconds on a replay means you had them for 15, which we know we can keep them. So it's a higher probability you're going to get a replay on it, especially if you loop your video in such a way that the first three seconds was just amazing. Right. It was just eye-catching. What was that? What yeah. happened? Right? It's going to, because your first three seconds stops your scroll. And then once you get to the replay, that's your looped back in as, am I going to watch it twice? So you see these, you know, tricks of text popping up and only staying for a couple seconds because then people have to rewatch it to actually be able to read it. Oh, sure. There's lots of those sort of hacks that people are using. But again, ask your audience of their user experience because I know my audience on Facebook and I started posting those Instagram videos on Facebook and it was upsetting my Facebook audience. Like I literally had aunts and older members of my community like, these videos are just too fast. Sure. <laughs> and they were, they were annoyed by it. And so I literally commented back on one of them. I think it was my aunt who was like, Danielle, I love your marketing, but these videos, they just give me whiplash. And um, I, I said in the comment, I said, uh, when you rewatch it, it helps my algorithm reach more people. And she commented back. She's like, well, I must have done a lot for you because I watched it no less than 20 times. And she was right. That reach on that video was just through the freaking roof. But the engagement was crap. My audience didn't actually like it, but it reached a lot of people. Hmm. So what is my goal of the post? And then I get to determine whether or not I'm doing more of those. Well, that reminds me of like the old, like, any publicity is good publicity. But not always. But not always. Not always. Your reputation precedes you. If they're like, mm, that logo again. I don't like these videos. Next. You're out. They're never watching any of them. Yeah. Whoever this is, she's not my people. Yeah. 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 And so you've got to be okay with that, right? You've got to navigate and try and fail and, and just keep chugging along because you're going to do a live and nobody's going to show up. They just will. And so I, what I tell my students when I'm coaching them is I'm like, don't expect anyone to come. Like, lower your bar all the way down to zero and talk to your people whether they're coming or not. Because that practice for you is just going to help you continue to articulate more effectively. And the people who want to binge your content, they'll find the video. Sure. They'll find it. Yeah. Um, so I... I, I... All right, so you have these quick videos, and I've seen them. They, they're great. I mean, there's no fat on them whatsoever. Me, I I, uh, I watched just to get prepared for this, but I was so intrigued on how you achieved the, the camera angle that I watched it a few times, and hey, that's working for you, right? It's working. And so that's the uniqueness of it is diversifying your content creators. You know, this is, this is the, what I feel like nobody's talking about. 
if you want to do this at the level that I'm currently doing it at and the, and the my mentors are doing it at, because I, I truly feel like I'm just getting started, like the tip of the iceberg. Some of these people in, you know, more coastal markets are just slaying the social media because they have literal teams of people behind them sure. to get it done. Yeah. Right? I mean, these are productions. They are not listings. Mm-hmm. They are full-on productions. If you think I'm not spending thousands in videographers, you're crazy. Of course I am. Yeah. Thousands, not hundreds. You can't be cheap with this stuff. Right. But it is my brand. It has become the expectation of my visuals. And I have just the most robust content gallery of media that I've been capturing that I could show a house and show the exact same neighborhood in fall, winter, spring, summer. What an awesome experience to a buyer to be able to experience those types of visuals, right? Um, I think it was Danielle on your last podcast um, who was talking about a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh, I love that quote. And a video is worth a thousand photos. Yeah. And it's so true, but it does not change the fact that when you are there, that all, I think it was your appraiser. It wasn't Danielle. Yes, that was an awesome episode. Yeah, Brian Lee's great. Um, but he was talking about when you're there, you just get that full, all-encompassing experience, right? When you're standing on the beach, you can smell it, and you oh, can yeah. feel it, and the sand, it's just so different. A video doesn't get you there, right? A video gets you better than a picture, right. but it doesn't get you all the way there. And I feel like our job as real estate agents is, is step one, get people through the door, right? So we our marketing has to be good enough to get people through the door. And so you hear a lot of uh, flack in the consumer market that houses are selling themselves, that people are coming to the door just because they're desperate for houses. It doesn't matter if you take a picture of the chair in the corner with your finger over the lens, they're still coming. I disagree. Yeah, totally. I firmly disagree because people are looking online on their couches and they feel so defeated by the market that if it doesn't get them up out of their chair immediately, they might miss it. Yeah. And so you could have had a seller that could have had four or five offers submitted had you done great marketing and got the right audience there. But instead, you only got one offer for less than asking price because the competition wasn't as fierce. And there's going to come a time that we're, we're going to see a further shift in the market where the buyer pool will slow down. Maybe that happens when interest rates go up. I'm yeah. not sure. But when that time comes, I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to be ready with a very well-established brand of excellence that demands the level of compensation that my listing packages come with. And I'm not competing with Zillow and Realtor.com and Redfin and any other discount brokerage because my service isn't a discount service. And they're getting an experience. The clients who hire me to come out for listing appointments, I'm not interviewing against other realtors. If I am, it's, it's actually kind of fun. Because by the end of the appointment, there's no question who they're going to use because they there's no question of what they're paying for. Right. There is no question about what is the service that they are buying. With other realtors, maybe we're still coming in saying things like, we're just going to put you on my board well, and so I, that, that people can find you. I want to uh, stop you for a sec. You mentioned, uh, once again, before we recorded, we had an amazing conversation before <laughs> we recorded. But anyways, um, you mentioned that with your clients, you let them choose kind of their marketing package. I can do. You, can, you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I have a 6% listing package and I have a 7% listing package. It's the luxury package, luxury package or the standard package. And I call it the standard because I call it the new industry standard. This is the expectation. This is what you should expect 
uh, me or any other realtor who comes in here and talks to you about listing your house to offer you. And this includes things such as professional video, professional photography, professional drones. That is an a industry standard. My industry standard also includes things such as moving boxes. Well, and I like how it's like, that's as low as I'll go. That is, is the, the industry bare standard. Minimum. I'm not taking a finger over the lens pictures of your house. I'm just not going to do that. That's not what Daniel Styles Real Estate's about. Like where we operate at this level or higher. Correct. Yeah. And it sets the tone for the expectation of representation, right? And so, you know, I, I have not set in with a lot of other agents on their listing presentations to kind of understand maybe what I do so differently. But I talk a lot about negotiation in my appointments. And I love it, in fact, when clients will want to negotiate my listing commission with me because it gives me an opportunity to exercise my competencies and to explain to them that I'm going to fight for your money as hard as I fight for mine. And here's why we do things the way that we do. And, and here's how I am willing to work with you. Um, and let them feel like more of a participant in the relationship rather than just be, you know, sign my listing contract and you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. And I think that that's kind of been, you know, if you talk to people and they are like, oh, I just had a horrible experience. Ask them why. You know, be patient enough. It may, I may sit in a listing appointment hearing about their last experience with a realtor for 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Just letting them vent about it. And I end with, how can I make sure that doesn't happen for you this time? And they are so relieved to hear that somebody's even just patient enough to listen to it. A lot of times it comes down to lack of communication. Right. Um, there was a quote that I was given actually by a lender once that I love this quote. I probably say it more than I should, but it's bad news doesn't get better with age. And how often do we get bad news and we go, Ooh. and then we decide, do we sit on it or do we pick up the phone immediately and call our customer and say, this is what's going on. Here's what I'm going to do about it. I'll call you back when I have an update. That experience is vastly different then you're three days out from closing. You just got a whiff that you might not be closing. And instead of giving them that heads up that we may have a problem, you think you can scramble to fix the problem and it turns out you couldn't get it done. I don't want to panic them. Right. So I'll take care of this and just not let them mm -hmm. in on it. From my listing appointment, yeah. we have very specific conversation about what is your expectation of communication. At what point do you want information? Because some people are very high anxiety people and they're going to tell you that don't panic me. Do not panic me unless it is an emergency. That's why I hired you. Right. I, yeah. You got it. Yeah. And so you just have to have those really clear expectations. So one of those pieces that I'm doing in my listing presentation is having very clear expectations on what is in fact my job for you. And I think this is when you get listing agents who are told just take the deal, just get the contract, do whatever list price they want you to do, even if you think it's more and beyond what the market says it's worth, just to get the listing contract. I think that's bad advice. And here's why. You're going to get yourself into a position having a conversation with your clients where you already have two black eyes because the market's told you the house is too expensive. You've quote unquote done your job. You've got showings, but nobody's putting any offers in and your listing clients mad at you for it. Whereas if you sat down from listing appointment and said, when this, then that, if you don't have at least two showings in a week, we're too high. And here's how we're going to address that sure. and here's the increments we're going to address it in and here's what this looks like and here's what happens if an appraisal comes in low and here's what we need to be prepared for those are very very different listing clients than ones that maybe i had earlier in my career 
and I didn't have that level of competency and I wasn't getting ahead of those problems. Sure. I had very angry people calling me and I was a very stressed out realtor. And so the marketing piece that I offer is literally setting the stage for at a 7% listing, here's exactly how many ad dollars I'm going to put behind your house. And here's exactly the methodology in which we're going to advertise the property. And here's how we're going to retarget people. And here's when we're going to do an open house. And every single step for them has been very plainly written on a piece of paper that I leave behind. And so then there is no question with no. what they're experiencing. I imagine there's just like a sigh of relief. Yeah. Like, oh, you got this. They feel like, yeah. okay. Yeah, you have a plan. And so I also have a buyer's guide to closing and a seller's guide to closing. It's like a step one, then a step two, then a step three, and I give it to them. And my goal in my business for 2022 is to turn all of that into videos so that they have a website that they go to and video one says, okay, we're going to market. Here's what you need to be prepared for before your showings. And I give my dissertation on that because I can do all of that in the listing appointment. We all know that three weeks later, they're going to be like, what did she say again? And then they're going to call me and I may or may not be able to articulate it in the same way. Or maybe the spouse was or wasn't there when we had the conversation. I want it all in video form so mm -hmm. they can literally truly experience my digital marketing brokerage mm -hmm. completely digitally. And so I, I am doing that because... I have listened to my clients who say things to me like, you are so thorough, I was overwhelmed. And I think, ooh, that's a poor experience. I don't want them to be overwhelmed. I want them to know that I'm competent and capable and we have steps and processes, but that I also want them to have self-sufficient things that they can do because they also will call me and say, I hate to bother you and ask this again. And I think, how many people don't bother to ask? Right. That that need the information, but just don't bother to ask. Someone who's overwhelmed isn't gonna wanna ask. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to do a better job of taking our experience, the experience we already offer to our clients, every realtor has one, and duplicating it online. That should be our drumbeat. We should be duplicating the experience that, that our clients are ideal, most target, perfect audience. If I could go find a hundred more just like you, I would be thrilled and I'd be a realtor forever. We have to go take that experience and duplicate it into the digital market so they can self-educate. Sure. Because they are seeking self-education, the younger generations more so than the older generations. And so you have to keep it simple, stupid, mm -hmm. and use their words. Yeah. Because we're doing really stupid things. Okay, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I gave one earlier. Hopefully you've stuck around this long. You can get tip number two if you take nothing else away. Stop uploading your listing photos with IMG2335 as the file name. What a miss. What a miss. If you think people aren't going to Google and Googling for photos, you're crazy. How do you think Google knows what your photo is? The metadata you give it. You can put metadata into your posts through social media, and you can put metadata as simple as just changing the file image of the photos. If you're trying to put the caption in on MyBoar, okay, cool, that helps with keywords. I'm here for it, but it's painful. It takes a lot of time to put each of those descriptions in under each one of your photos. But you can absolutely, very easily, change the file name of all of your photos to the address of the property, maybe the school system, maybe the neighborhood. You decide. You tell me, how are people searching for a house like this? Use those words 
and maybe your words, your name, your phone number, right. whatever identifiers you want to come back to you, and do it for one image, select all, paste, and you have all of your file names changed within seconds. And that small tweak will change the authority that your photos serve in the big scheme of the internet. Right, sure. You become searchable. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you, uh, one of the things that you quote is marketing matters. And I noticed on the listing, I, or the post, it kind of seemed like it was outward and inward facing for clients and peers. Mm -hmm. Is there such thing as too much marketing? And I want to go back to like the scenario. Um, when you, you had that video, uh, you know, that quick, quick cuts and all the information, and it's like a 15 second video. You post that video. Danielle, you have a good reception of that video overall. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you have an open house or something, you, you, have, you have successfully created the momentum to make that open house a success. But your Aunt Gladys message you, messages you and says, that thing makes me nauseous. Ugh, why would yeah. you post that? So, is Aunt Gladys not your people, so you're okay to accept that Aunt Gladys and like-minded individuals are not Daniel Styles' people, or do you think, or do you need to kind of pivot and adapt your marketing so that you can appeal to those people as well? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the answer is diversity of content. Not every type of person will consume the same type of content the same. So let me give an example. We were talking earlier about escalation clauses. I could put a video together and Gladys may not like to watch videos because she thinks my videos make her dizzy. Mm -hmm. But I could put a big static post together that's just text mm -hmm. and Gladys is going to read it. Yep. So it's diversifying your content. You can't go, you can't go all in video and abandon all the other causes because I think that you're going to isolate a demographic who's just not there yet. I think that if you realize at this point that that's where it's going, you are further ahead of the game than you think that you are. If you're still denying that there is even a point in social media, that's when I there's cause for concern. Because there's absolutely a point for social media. Sure. But the type of content you create through that platform should be diversified. You can't do all of anything and it work all the time. You've, you've got to really create some segregation. Otherwise, it will all start to look the same. Right. Right? If everything I did was the same sort of wonky camera angles, you'd be like, ah, that's old news. Seen that before. Next. Bit one note. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, the drum beat should be a very standardized beat that's kind of like, just, just like in a band, right? You can tap your foot to it. You can feel it. It's there. There's lots of other stuff. You come in with a cymbal occasionally. Maybe the electric guitar goes off. And, you know, maybe that's the collaborations with the small businesses, right? One of the reasons I feel like people like my content and tell me that they enjoy consuming it is because I introduced them to things that they didn't know about before. I'm seeking out other small businesses or other non-for-profits or things of interest to my audience and just using my platform as a digital megaphone to bring awareness to them. Every post I create is not about my family or real estate. Every post I create serves my community. That is my goal. Now, occasionally I'll do a thing like happy birthday to my kids because what kind of mom would I be if I didn't? Sure. Right? But I also have rules when it pertains to my social media about things I do and do not post about. It, it's If it's election day, you're going to see me silent mm -hmm. because it is my rule that I do not speak about politics and that's all anybody's talking about that day. Sure. So unless I just happen to have a house coming to market, I'm going to opt out. So having firm foundation in what you, what, what you say and what you don't say 
or more specifically where you choose to say it, that is most important. And then just diversifying the forms of content to serve the different types of people in your audience. Gladys isn't going to like everything that I post. Right. And that's okay. If It's so self-absorbed of you to assume every post you make, every person that follows you will see it. How ridiculous. Sure. But we do. Mm-hmm. We do. We literally put a post up and then we refresh it and think, who's solid? A hundred percent. Yeah? Yeah. And so I'm at the point now where I've hired a social media manager who does all of my analytics and sends a report to me to tell me what's performing well and what's not because I don't even, I don't even put the second thought to who's consuming my content anymore because for me that was one of those um, mental blocks. Sure. It was, you know, um, I don't know how to articulate it. it, it it's that, that belief in ourself that I am less than or I am not worthy or it's not working or all of those negative connotations that make me lose momentum mm-hmm. was in the analytical weeds of who's consuming my content. Right. So I needed to get that off my plate. And so I really encourage people to just be honest with themselves and realize what they're not good at or what's holding them back. And get that crap off your plate as fast as you can. Because keeping momentum is hard. Burnout is real. If you think I haven't gone radio silent for more than a week on social media, because my brain just hurt, I have. But you've got to know how to come back from those things, right? It's actually, in fact, good for your algorithm to go radio silent from time to time. It is not an always-on function. And don't create an audience that expects you to be always-on because that's unrealistic right? Be human. And so I may not post anything for a week, but I can promise you that doesn't mean I didn't get on and consume. So I spend that week commenting on other people's posts and they never knew that I was missing because I was still present in their notifications and in their feed and in their comments. Now, they may not have watched my video because I didn't put one out that week. But what happens after a week of me commenting on their stuff and I do put out a video? Mm -hmm. The algorithm serves it. I did my homework. And so it's not the content that is as important. It's the relationships. It's the social. You know, there are two words here, social and media. And I feel like the media piece paralyzes people. I don't like to be on camera. I don't like the way my voice looks. Well, I think that's very self-absorbed. I don't take selfies. What would I even talk about on my stories? I tell my coaching clients, you need to post five stories a day. Five. Their heart, you see their soul leave their body. They think, what in the world would I talk about five different times every single day? And the answer is, it's really simple. All you have to do is pull out your phone, put it up, show everybody what you're doing. Hey, we're recording a podcast here. It is the My Boar podcast. I'm going to put a link to it here on the next slide. Huge shout out to Andrew. Thanks so much for bringing me in. We're recording live and doing a story. And this piece of content creates the FOMO. I didn't tell them what the name of your podcast is, so what are they going to do? They're going to ask me. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask me what it is. And so don't be afraid to take a piece of content, save it, put your phone back down, post it later when you're better prepared. Yeah. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be this all-encompassing concept. It just has to be a drumbeat. So I have a process. Maybe I did like a, maybe I had coffee at a restaurant with a client. And so I want to give a shout out to the coffee company because, well, we all know that that coffee company probably will reshare my content and expose me to their audience and 
you know, other coffee lovers will be like, oh my gosh, there's a local real estate agent. Maybe because they saw me on that coffee shop stories, the next time I'm in there, they'll stop me and ask me a question. It's creating that social component. Yeah. But I don't want to be weird about it, right? Okay, fine. Take the short little clip of your video, save it to your phone. When you get in the car before you leave, post it in the privacy of your own vehicle. Right. You can get out of your own way if you just stop making excuses. Yeah. But we put ourselves in these very self-judging situations. We see things about ourselves that other people would never notice. Mm -hmm. And then we get really embarrassed and start to get in our head about it. And then we don't, we are less likely to do it again next time. But I can promise you the content that I've created where I felt most embarrassed by it is sometimes the most best performing. Sure. You know, I'll give you another example. I put a post up one time. Um, I, I had toddlers at the time. My kids were much smaller, and we were potty training. And anybody who's ever potty trained boys before knows that anything is a toilet for a few weeks, if not months, of their life. And so I was um, finding um, items <laughs> all, all around my house. My son would, at one time, use my curtains as toilet paper. And so, you know, what do you do in moments like that besides just laugh? You have to. Because... My curtains were used as toilet paper, yeah. and my dog snuck up and ate it before I got there to clean it up. And it's one of those just unbelievable moments that is real life, and it is toddlers, and it's total chaos. And so I took to social media, and I created a story about it. And, of course, the moment had passed, but I'm, I'm standing there next to my poop-covered curtains, and I'm laughing, and I'm just sharing a moment of real life. And I kid you not... Months later, I had people coming up to me in the grocery store talking about how they were dying laughing mm -hmm. at that post that I put up. And that has nothing to do with real estate, right? It has, And so maybe for some agents, that's too far. That's oversharing, right? But for me, I am a very real person. I enjoy humor. If you invite me to your house, I'm going to sit on the floor with your animal. I'm not going to sit at your dining room table first. Sure. And I want people to feel like they got a chance to get to know me through consuming me on social media, and they're not surprised by who I am in real life. And for other people, that may not be the thing. Maybe they need to be more polished and put together and professional on social media because that makes them more comfortable. Okay, fine. Know your demographic. If you're serving attorneys and very elite, high-level clients, they probably don't want to see poop on a curtain. Nope. But I know my audience, and I'm serving Morgan County, and I'm showing up to appointments in cowboy boots and blue jeans mm -hmm. because that's what my clients expect and and feel comfortable with and so it's it's being comfortable knowing that you have people who won't like you mm -hmm. right being out there on social media there are lots of people who are not my fan and it doesn't bother me because I never intended for them to be my fan yeah, so you can't be everything to everyone that's okay yeah it's okay if you don't like me it's okay if you think my posts are annoying or you think me talking on and on about social media is irrelevant to the real estate industry that's okay. My business is built on it and I'll find my people who will support my business and I can serve them and we can be mutually gleeful on our own because the chambers of social media allow for these micro ecosystems to exist. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. When social media first started, we were just everywhere. We had to be everywhere all the time and just like a big megaphone, but we were doing it wrong. We, it was all about us and who we are and how great we are. This is my least favorite post that social that realtors put on social media. We just sold this house. 
that's it. That was the post. It was a picture of us in a title company holding a sign. And you get the obligatory, like, congratulations. But it's, what else do you expect people to say to that? Right? Like, there, there is no meat and potatoes to that post. Mm-hmm. That, that's just a symbol. Like, a, hey, <laughs> yeah. we did it. Yeah. And so that's maybe okay occasionally. But if that's all you're posting, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, you really have to get into the weeds of your community, get into the weeds of your clients and figure out what problems they have and start serving and solving for those problems because then they're going to consume you and they're going to, more importantly, share you Yeah. because you can only reach who you know. The point of social media is that we went from seven degrees of separation to three and a half with Facebook. Sure. And that was a 2019 statistic. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. As Facebook continues to evolve, if you don't follow Facebook on Facebook, you're missing the boat. You need to be prioritizing your time where Facebook wants you to prioritize your time. And they'll tell you. Sure. They do a big annual conference. Instagram, if you don't follow Instagram on Instagram, follow them. If you, there's, um, the, the CEO of Instagram comes out and creates videos that tells you exactly what Instagram is focusing on that week. Yeah, they, they want their users to be using it the way it was meant to be used. Correct. Yeah. But people don't do their research. And then they wonder why their content flops. And it's not that your content was bad. It's that you just didn't follow their rules. It's a free platform. You're paying nothing for this. The least you can do is follow their rules. Mm-hmm. Stop posting links to YouTube on Facebook. Holy crap, that's their competitor. Why in the world would Facebook want to give your post more visibility if you are sending people to their competitor? That is stupid. But we don't think about the stupid things that we're doing. We just think that, well, the algorithm doesn't like me. Sure. This doesn't work. Social media is not worth my time. I tried that. It didn't work. Yeah. And, you know, the worst part is, well, I hired someone to do that and, and it just didn't work. That is truly my biggest pet peeve because if you think that you can outsource you you're crazy you can outsource somebody to create pretty graphics sure you can outsource somebody to maybe uh take a video of you articulating a concept and turn it into text that becomes a caption but don't expect a social media manager who knows nothing about escalation clauses to write a competent article about escalation clauses that is equally stupid right and that is what a lot of brokerages are doing, is they're trying to hire social media managers to just wash their hands with it and put these stocked images up, right? So there's lots of social media coaches who have stocked galleries. And they're like, join my program, and you'll have my templated posts and my templated captions and my templated hashtags. And it's so cringeworthy because if you understand the basis of how social media works, If you think for one second that Instagram doesn't know that exact same graphic has been posted by a hundred or thousands of other people, that is equally stupid. Of course it knows. And do you think that it's going to give legs to a non-authentic organic post? Right. No. Yeah. It's going to get the bare minimum reach that you can possibly get. And so there you are in the loop of it doesn't work. Well, no, it's not that the opportunity doesn't work. It's that... You're not approaching it with authenticity. A video of you talking with your phone out, sitting in your car, is going to perform better than a templated post that thousands of other people have put on the internet. Yeah. It just will. 
Uh, so, um, is there more, more ways we can find information about Danielle Styles? You can find me on all of the socials at Mrs. Of course. <laughs> at Mrs. Danielle Styles. That's S T I L E S. And uh, I have an online coaching program. Um, we are also doing some pop up events all throughout the city. Um, in fact, we're working towards uh, our next content shoot, which will be on the South Side with collaboration with Dr. Horton. They've got a awesome model home in Bargersville that we're going to be leveraging to do a content shoot the first or second week of November. So we're working through those details. If you follow me on social, you will have access to pick up a ticket. Those are pretty exclusive, small crowds. Um, we are not for everyone. We believe social media is the future. And if you are looking to learn what buttons to push, um, then these events are great, great opportunities for you to get real life hands-on experience with the social media platforms themselves, but to also see how could you put your own content shoot on for your team. Um, it is my vision that brokers will offer this as a service, a monthly date on the calendar will they will throw a content shoot and their agents can come in and participate because I can tell you as someone who does personally enjoy creating content, it's exhausting. It's a rat race. It's a lot of work to put it together. It's align the photographer, get the media back in time, you know, research the trends and know what type of videos you're going to create, what type of sounds you need to use. It's a full-time job. Like I was talking about before, these big companies on the coast that are doing awesome things, they have production teams. Sure. And so we as independent agents or as small teams don't always have all of those resources to leverage. Um, so it's my belief that we can collaborate and we can come together and, and I don't care what brokerage you're with, you're invited. Um, you won't be pitched to move brokerages. You'll be pitched to be active on social media and, and tag us and collaborate because we can all reach our people better and faster um, if we're all working together. So uh, definitely stay tuned. You can follow me on social at Mrs. Danielle Styles and find out more info about that upcoming event. All right, Daniel Styles, thanks for making the time to be be with us today. Yeah, this was great. I'm looking forward to continuing to get involved. Actually, I'm applying for uh, my board chair for Morgan County. Oh, right so on. Cool. That's great. I That's so great. encourage everybody to get out, get involved. Um, without my opportunity to speak at those panels, I wouldn't be able to have the opportunity to be here with you today. And That's so right. yeah, networking's right. where it's at, guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Daniel.